one of our students got their um, certificate in strategic communication and just bawled. I mean, not verbally, but like just tears running down his face. And it shattered me because Mm -hmm. afterwards I went up and I was like, you earned that. You deserve that. Like you were the one that put in that work. And he just like told me that he, this is not a thing he ever thought he could be. Nobody ever told him he could go to school. Like he, when he got convicted, he was like, this is the end for me. I don't have anywhere to go from here. And like now I have this and it shows that I did something different for me. Hello, welcome. I'm Ben Boyce. This is the Dr. Junkie Show. And today I'm going to talk to one of my fellow in-prison educators, Megan Cosgrove. Megan was actually one of my students during her master's degree a few years back. So it's been a blast to be on her team as she moved from that to prison educator and on to a PhD that she's working on now. You might recognize Megan from her introduction in last year's edition of Captured Words, Free Thoughts. That's the nonprofit we both help with every year that publishes art, poetry, and prose inspired and created inside U.S. prisons. We're about to release volume 19 next month, so check out the website for past editions and email me if you or if someone you know inside or outside a prison wants a paper copy mailed to them. No charge. Megan's been teaching at the in-prison program with me since it started, almost two years ago. And our first graduation ceremony was a couple weeks back, so it felt like we should sit down and talk about the program, about prison education in general, and a whole lot more. Fair warning, this one's a bit wild. I cuss a lot, we laugh a lot, we digress a lot, and we had a ton of fun recording it. There's lots of links in the episode description if you hear something that you want to follow up on. And I'll also talk about my new book soon, although we discuss it briefly in this episode. So stay tuned for that, or check it out on Amazon. With that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Megan Cosgrove. That's another thing that I would love to delve into, though, because I feel like when I've had conversations, people, like when I first was going into prison stuff, I was told that, like, people in prison either didn't do it or they found Jesus. And that's yeah. those are the only two things. Yeah. And, like, that's such a harmful narrative, yeah. right? Like, you would think yeah. that there would be some pushback on that, There is a third category, but, like, nobody... You're not supposed to jump right to Hitler, but, like, is the (laughs) the extreme example. Hitler didn't know... Presumably, he didn't know he was a bad person. And he probably would have had some fucked up script that described himself as a good person. I've never in my life, and I know they're probably out there, but I've never met somebody that thinks they're a bad person. They don't realize it. Bullies from when we're in high school or or middle school, often you ask them later and they describe their story in a way that you're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Were you in the same school? You bullied me, (laughs) motherfucker, right? And they'd be like, you bullied me. It's all this perspective that you build on it because you don't want to admit, oh, I used to be a bad person and yet you're always trying to be a slightly better person. Yeah. But there is a category that's like eventually gets to the point where they're like, well, fuck this, which is what I think the normalization thing that we're going to dive into is about is how do you prevent people from becoming what Dean Williams, now that he's gone, but we can still use his quotes, called (laughs) knuckleheads. Like he's like, there are always going to be some knuckleheads. There'll be people that are just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to steal everything and fuck anybody up that's around me. Or I run gang associations where I'm a hitman and that's what I want to do in here. You'll always have a subset of incarcerated people. We got this massive group of incarcerated people in the United States that are 
either one, they just fucked up on some law that maybe shouldn't even be a law. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, they're a product of their environment yeah. and a world that like glamorizes all sorts of fucked up shit yeah. in our most expensive glamorizations. And then when people act those things out, they inevitably wind up doing long prison sentences and they're having this coming to God moment, which that language makes me wonder if they also meant metaphorically. They come to God. You might not actually be a Christian, but you yeah. might have like a, I made a mistake. Yeah. And what does that even mean to people? Because yeah. you, if you don't realize that you are, there is no free will. You're simply a product of your environment. You can explain why you did all the things that you did and explaining it and understanding it will let you forgive yourself mm-hmm. and start to recognize, well, if that's true and that's what programmed me up that way, to change someone, me, programmed that way, you could incorporate new programming that looks like this. You could try these other things and see if they plug the same hole that you're clearly looking for. Yeah. But those coming to God usually means, shucks, I made one mistake. I need to weed out one little <laughs> one little mistake yeah, from just my life. Motherfucker, that is yeah, that is not the if problem. I hadn't stolen that candy bar. <laughs> right, but yo, you were programmed up wrong from the get. We gotta pull out the old shit and make you like know all that stuff that happened happened, but mm-hmm. you can explain why. It wasn't because you're just this free agent since you were two years old running around the world. Free will's not real. What's well, it's like it's the same thing we were talking about yesterday, is if in that moment you made that decision, you cannot go back and say that with the same set of of tools you would choose anything different because in that moment that's all that you had to do it with right no you're right we should start with introducing you okay so before we record (laughs) before we record anything megan is a college educator in prisons in the prisons that i teach in right now so in two colorado prisons we've been on that team from the get which has been cool we're two years into it now but we have a history before that you were a student in one of my classes so in part today you'll probably spill all the dirt on <laughs> whether or not anybody that has the opportunity to take a class with me, should they run like the way? No, best instructor up? I ever had. Depend- oh, that's nice. I mean that. But we'll pick it apart a little and see if we can find some dirt on me because that, that would mean different things to different people. Okay. Which is kind of the central theme of our goal today, right? To talk True. about how everybody's programmed up without realizing it Yeah. in a way that makes them make bizarre decisions. And some of us enjoy being tortured in a class by Ben, whereas other people are like, what the fuck are we doing here? And what is this guy talking about? So Megan, welcome. You want to, I described you a little bit, but you want to add to that or tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from? Yeah. I mean, I'll say thanks first. I'm so excited. We've been talking about this, I feel like, since we started the program. And so I'm just really excited to be able to have the opportunity to talk about it. You pretty much covered it. My master's advisor stuck around. I have like a little check by my name that says I'm number three or four on a list number of three. Advi- three. Number uh, three. Well, yeah, but your name's first. So your name, oh, then okay. two advisors, then That's me. That's fair. I'll take it. That's fair. No, yeah. I mean, Stephen was the actual advisor, but like yeah. committee member. Absolutely. No, I showed up to the argument and threw some, pestered you with some hard questions that seem what? unfair in high They do not. Okay. <laughs> they were necessary. You're on my CV too, so. Yeah, but now that it's just comps, we were talking about this before too. If you're in a master's program, depending on what you study and what your story is, you might want to write a thesis because right now my thesis from 10 years ago is getting turned into a book and it just got published in an article in humanity, in Humanities Journal. That you Woo, can, pub day! Yeah, right, which is funny because I'm not on that track academically, but whatever. So if you want to go read it, it's about prison movies and what we learn from prison movies. But this is all where really my story started to go recently with teaching and also yours too. We've both been in this prison program and this is a weird question for you because anybody else I'd ask, I'd expect an answer that I don't know if you have and maybe you do, but 
What gets you into prison <laughs> teaching? Why the hell are you teaching inside prisons? Where yeah. does that come from? So the journey for it was like kind of weird in the sense that I started my MA and I had literally no idea what I was doing, but I had known um, that I had wanted to work with Steven. I didn't know you existed. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> woo! And I had had like a, it was COVID. So I had a, like a phone conversation with Steven and I had mentioned that I thought that like his prison work seemed super interesting. And I thought that it'd be really cool to be a part of it because I had had some family members just kind of involved um, primarily with like drug use. I mean, my mom had been a member of just like probation and kind of state stuff. And I had always been really fascinated by it because I don't understand it. Um, like this, just this concept of prison, right? Like, and this, this is kind of a sidetrack, but like, I can remember specifically being like 12 years old and driving past a prison when I was like driving home from a road trip with my parents and being terrified because on the side of the road, right? There's all of these signs that say like, do not stop for hitchhikers, correctional facility. I think we just got a cover art piece for our episode. Do not stop. Love that. Correctional Perfect. Yeah, we drive by him multiple times every time we go to work. Every time. Every time. But so I remember seeing that as a kid and I was like, oh my God, those people want to hurt me. And I, I mean, I'm related, but like we were driving and I was like, dad, we have to stop for a hotel. I know, but like, we can't stop near the prison. (laughs) And he was like, we're not going to stop by the prison. Like they're in prison. It's fine. We stopped at the prison and I found out the next day when I saw the prison and I was like, we could have been murdered. (laughs) And now, looking back, I'm like, oh, 12-year-old me. That's great. Why did you do that? But so with all of that. So it's shame. It didn't make shame sense. is the answer. No, Absolutely. shame is not the answer. <laughs> shame is always the, the answer. Just the root. Yeah, just the root. <laughs> um, but so I, that, and then Stephen had mentioned uh, just being a part of Capture Birds Free Thought. So I did a very small piece for the issue that came out. It was the COVID yeah, edition. Just yeah, a very, very year. small contribution. Yeah. Um, and then he, I kind of just kept in conversation with him. He told me to take your class. Um, I sent you a terrified email asking if I could please you could override me in because it would be a grad level and you just email me back done and yeah. i was like oh my god he hates me and ah, <laughs> here we are is it power so, so lesson one of my class is power you know like a bulldozer it pushes stuff or like when you yeah. and you're in a mosh pit and you just push into somebody or like you when you go to type something and you you stop moving your finger and you're like oh my god and you spend like five hours thinking about does this and it all has to do as we were walking into prison two weeks ago you made some offhanded comment that made me like just about push you. <laughs> You're like, oh my god! When I when you icy. when we're meeting, I still think of you as somebody that's like in, I do in though. An authority position. I do. Funny. So we got to be getting closer. I've started drinking whenever we're together to try to knock the edge <laughs> off of that and be like, nah, that ain't me. But it is, like, you're, truly, like, you were one of the greatest professors that I had. Like, so, and to come back to that, like, part of the reason that I'm part of this is, A, because Stephen lets me be, and B, because, like, the stuff that I learned in your class when we are talking about prisons, social justice, communication, like, everybody's mm. just a person, right? So you just, I I mean, I, the opportunity route, opportunity came up, um, and I was thrilled. I was like, yeah, I'll do mm. whatever I can to be involved with this. That's and so fucking weird. Why? What about, did you have a coming, you had to have at least a one. A coming to Jesus moment? Yeah, yeah good, well said, yeah. At least one, where, whether it was early in the morning or 3 a.m. when you woke up and thought you heard razor wire rattling. We're like, did we sleep next to the prison? But some moment where somebody said something to you that made you at least think, like, what's it going to be like to, am I am I missing the point? What do you mean? You've seen the Shawshank Redemption and I actually never saw Oz Shawshank Redemption. And, okay, but you've seen every prison movie. <laughs> I saw Orange is the New Black. That, okay, and that's best case scenario. Correct. You might get into the woman's prison and even in there they had a riot and they killed somebody. Yeah. A CO no less. Like, yeah. what? 
that that's such a soft example <laughs> but of all of them anybody else is thinking of right now like yeah all of those that's yeah. what we usually see of prison I think that the moment that I kind of felt that was like the first time I walked into prison and I was like holy shit this is prison mm. just because we started it was on Zoom yeah um but like going into it um a lot of it for me was was the experience being having relationships with substance users in my life mm. right and having a cousin that went to jail, went to prison, and just not understanding, like being the same age. I mean, I'm a year younger, so we're just about the same age and seeing just how differently our lives went hmm. and not understanding it and wanting to be like, wanting to be a part of what does this mean? We grew up in the same state. We have the same family members. Like, yes, our parents were different, but like, how did things go so differently for us? Um, and then being interested in education, um, like, as a side note, like, working at Disney World and being like, turkey legs, ain't it, chief? <laughs> and so deciding that education was what was important. And then trying, recognizing that for me, education was very transformative in trying to understand my positionality in the world. Mm, damn. And then seeing, I feel like it's a very cliche thing to say, right? But, like, mm. education is the one thing that nobody can take away from you. So when you take somebody that doesn't have anything and you give them this opportunity to have something or to be able to talk about how they are where they are or try and do yeah. something different just meant a lot to me. I used to think that was cliche because it does sound really cliche. It does. And once you start to understand, I think all of the students that are still in the program would say, yeah, we probably thought it was too. Yeah. <laughs> within, yeah. Within about six months, they're all like, holy shit, we actually know stuff that's applicable. But it's like true. Yeah, right. right, and it changes how you think because yeah. you, uh, you can't really help it. Not to mention you sort of change who you are when you're learning. You're wiring stuff up and learning mm -hmm. stuff that might be fun just in and of itself. So. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I've also kind of always been like, I don't like status quo stuff. So I've never liked when people, I mean, outside of being 12 years old and being like, they're going to murder us. I don't understand why we say this one person did this one thing and now they're... Oh, Excommunicated. Should we go that lives. way right now, or should we wait till the end? I mean, this is your podcast. Yeah. So we can do whatever we, well, you want. You, okay, let, let's make sure we pin that and come back because this <laughs> okay. is a conversation you and I have a lot, and I get to take positionality in it and say awful things about us criminals because I'm, I'm a criminal, let's just like it. I can about drug users, and you know, sort of play let's the devil's advocate. But you mentioned going into the prison, mm -hmm. so maybe we should talk about what it's like to teach in a prison. So okay. when I drive to the university. It's a 20-minute drive with traffic. It sucks. I got to pay like three bucks to park sometimes and walk into a nicely heated place that's all top of the line and computers and bougie rich kids all over the place. When you get ready to go to, to work at the prison, what's yeah. it like? Um, I mean, it's weird, right? So the first time that I went, I was just terrified in the sense that I didn't know what to wear. I didn't want to expose my collarbone. I was like, can my elbows show? Are my pants too tight? <laughs> Like, I had heard that if you wore something inappropriate, that they had, like, a jumpsuit that you could wear in. So, like, I brought... An, I genuinely... Ben, I literally brought a second pair of pants in my car when I went because I was nervous they were going to tell me that I couldn't go into the prison. So, like, I didn't know. So, I live up in Fort Collins, so it's... To Territorial, it's a three-hour drive for me. And then to Sterling, it's a two-hour drive. You and I have talked about just how far out these places are. Yeah. I feel like Sterling, to me, feels a lot more far out just because you get on 76 or 14 and you just go and there is nothing. There's, like, there's bumps. There's some, some holes in the freeway. There are literal There ain't even leads. cops. I have not no, yet seen a cop No, you can go like radar. 110 miles an hour. <laughs> You're telling there's me. no right, one. Right. There's yeah. no one. Yeah. And, and territorial feels a little bit different in the sense that like, 
for me, like, I mean, you live here, but like you have to go through Denver and then through mm-hmm. Colorado Springs and that chunk of road that's between the Springs and Canyon yeah. City definitely makes it feel oh, it's beautiful, yeah. further, but what it is, is that? gorgeous. I, I 50, or, um, we're going I'm, to Canyon City for listeners, so that's all you got to do is go down 25 and head west. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You'll exactly. be in Canyon City. And then, well, and then when you're in Canyon City, like, I mean, Pueblo's not that far. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's on the way to Pueblo. Yeah. But it's also just the lack of things going in. But it is, it's so beautiful. Driving to Canyon City is gorgeous. Yeah. Driving to Sterling is shit. Have you tried right? to describe the prisons themselves yet in writing? We're both writers. Or we're both well, we both we both like to think we are. You are. You're well, a literal published author yeah, well, multiple I'm, times I'm over. I'm mediocre, Let's but I'll not, take it. No, I might turn to, into one. We need <laughs> to hype you up because well, you're a very That's fine. Give me on the, on the on the top seller list or whatever. Done. See, I don't even know the name of the list. That's how <laughs> mediocre I am. That's how much I care about I enjoy lists. it. Like, I really get off on writing. And to some degree, I've yeah. read a lot of your work where you're getting, you're starting to catch your stride too. Have you tried to describe the prison yet? I have. Yeah. After having a conversation with you, it it's, doesn't hit right. Yeah. Right? Because like, it's, you walk in and it's um, just the gates, first of all. Like I, again, it was the driving past the prison when I was 12. It was, oh my God, the signs don't stop hitchhikers, murderers, people that want to hurt you, yeah. right? And then you get there and territorial is weird because it's built into the side of a mountain. So it's like beautiful, but also prison. And then Sterling is like just concrete buildings of mass and just, yeah. ah, and there's actual razor wire. And that really threw me off because that was another one of the, what have I learned from like media representations of prison? Yeah. And like, there's the razor wire. Did you not notice it at Territorial? Not it's, as much. It's there too, but the walls, just... yeah, it's, it's the, it's the same. It was mined out by the prisoners, was mined out of the mountain mm-hmm. and then built into the prison. So and it's like, still the exact pretty. same color as that. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. don't, I don't like that. I like. Oh, it feels like a video game, parts. which we live in. So that would make sense. But yeah. But, so like, and then having like the specific gates that there's the ones for staff to enter and then there's the ones that you have to go through and like having to yell up and Wait. they're like, why are you here? Do you not go in the staff gate yet? Do they let you? Go in the staff gate. They never let me go in the yeah. staff gate. Go in the staff gate. Just have your ID ready, your state ID. Okay, well, and, we've all and, learned and something. And stick your today. chest back. And have I you, can't do have that. You, you, Imposter have you, syndrome. Have you learned the hard way? This is a little tip for anybody that's going to visit somebody in prison or is going into prison for some reason to not buzz the fucking buzzer unless you okay. absolutely have to. I try not to touch anything though. Okay. Like I, like like you said, wave at him. If I'm you, just and then so if you're like, eh, you have to push it. No, you I'm never like, touch anything. Don't in do prison. that. Don't do, yes, for <laughs> they know reasons. you're there. Yes, it's always. Prison. They've been watching the you for ten miles away. Yeah, yes, yeah, they knew it. when your car got here. Yep. They said this car doesn't belong. That's the part where I've talked to you about territorial specifically is like the charming part of it. The canal that runs through, like I've, I had only been during the summer because I was at Sterling this past semester, but like the grass is green and beautiful and it's like a sunshiny day and the water is flowing through. And if you don't look at all of the gates around you, you're like, oh, this is just a nice little mountain that I'm on because it's right by Royal Gorge. Right. So that's. Yeah. That fucking train, it beeps the horn during the summer like 15 times yeah. a day. It's so awful. I'm yeah. sure maybe some of them didn't notice till I pointed it out, which makes me a bad person. Or maybe they did notice and it was just part of the prison drowning out sounds, yeah. which apparently so, is a thing. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> We're going to revisit Territorial specifically because you and I are teaching a class together in Territorial next semester Woo. that will take at least one trip down. I'll, take, I'll go down a lot, but you're... <laughs> TAing and you're yeah. getting a PhD because you're a rock star way up north and you're going to come down maybe for a class or two. But 
Territorial is the oldest prison in Colorado. I think it was built in 1897 or something. And it's the original structure. Mm -hmm. And they still keep about a thousand people there. Sterling is one of the newest prisons in Colorado, and it's built out of death. Uh, I don't know what you call it. It's the biggest prison in the state. It looks like the Death Star from the yeah. outside. Like, it's just gray, drab. In the on, on the top is like this, uh, I don't know, there's some art term I could use, post-structuralism maybe, where they start putting the air conditioners on the outside of the building. Yeah. It's got these big tubes coming out yes. of the roof. and It's a monster. But they both feel kind of magic in their own way. But we're going to go down to Territorial, and Territorial is unique in that it has the Death House was actually mm-hmm. built into the prison. They yanked it out of there in 1986 or something, maybe even more recent than that. But just because they're them, mm-hmm. they plopped it five feet away next door at what's called the Prison Museum, which used to be the women's prison in Colorado. So we'll take y'all listeners through there and talk about what we saw. And then there's also Woodpecker, I think, cemetery up the road mm, where yeah. you know, 100 or so incarcerated people that were never yeah. claimed or buried in view of the prison. And there's a drive behind. We're going to we'll walk through all that. But... <laughs> Needless to say, one of these prisons is like this semi-magical space where you sometimes have to remember that you're in prison. And then you get in there. And of course, yeah, all the gates and the bars and the drab we'll talk about in a sec, they hit you. Whereas Sterling, Sterling, you spend two hours on the freeway thinking about where you're going as you head steadily towards Nebraska in a likely freeway (laughs) closure. Because frequently, the freeway closes at Sterling Prison. So you can't go any farther because that's the last big stop on the way. And then last... Two weeks ago for us, yeah. our graduation happened, and we made it there after a blizzard. It was the last <laughs> stop. The whole freeway is covered in semis that are waiting for them to reopen the yeah. freeway. And while we're at graduation, they closed the freeway home. All right, what were we talking about? Prison. Yeah. <laughs> what did you expect going in there? And what did you expect going in? Mm-hmm. And what did you find now that you've been there for two years? I think that part of that answer is skewed by the fact that we started via Zoom. Right. Hmm. So the fact that I wasn't actually physically going into the location and was kind of able to build relationships with the students in that kind of context um, prior to going in. I don't feel like this is the right phrasing for it. So I don't really know what to say with it, but like was less nerve wracking. Like I felt less nervous going into prison to teach than I did going in to teach my first semester of in-person classes at CSU. And, like, I genuinely mean that. Like, on my first day, I walked in and I was like, yeah. I was like, hi, kids. I think the bar is pretty low here. (laughs) I I teach in prison and I'm more nervous to teach you, right? Which also says something about me. There's a lot to unpack there as well. I mean, that bar low. I I don't mean that people in prison don't expect you to show up, but they've watched Judge Duty 12 times. That's (laughs) that's what's there. They won't let education in right now, largely. So, yeah, when we're there, it's like. In fact, we talked about this and I had mentioned to you that I was really glad that we switched to Zoom because of COVID, or it was a silver lining rather. I'm right. not glad of COVID, but because uh, I had been thinking to myself like, dude, you know your body well enough to know that when you go back to a place you've been traumatized in, I don't give a shit if it says everything's fine yeah. or just like smoke a joint, you'll be cool. You're going to freak the fuck out right. and you're going to be like eating Xanax and absolutely. And, uh, Zoom went for like a year and a half of these, a year of these classes. But when I finally went, you had asked me after and I'd sort of, I'd done some work with my therapist and prepped myself and thought through it. But even driving down, I expected it. And then I got there and it was like the weirdest fucking thing where exactly what you're talking about. And it's not just like, I was like, ah, these guys don't deserve shit anyway. But it was more (laughs) like, I felt kind of, this might not resonate with you, but I felt kind of like, oh, I'm just back. It's just the same fucking place it's this dry dusty factory for humans that 
people can't leave so sometimes they act like any human would in any situation where you can't walk the fuck away sure i get that but like it's just a dry dusty fucking factory for humans yeah it's not it's kind of exciting with the canals and the right i want to ride a go-kart around it and explore some (laughs) stuff right but like it's just a factory see but what that's one of the things that i admire when you talk about that is because i like i don't have that experience i think that's one of the tensions that that i've talked a lot about with you is recognizing that that is not an experience that i have ever had and so I want to be a part of this program and I want to be a part of something there, but I want to be sure that I'm not what's centered there. Like I want their experience to be centered. And so I don't know what it's like to go into that kind of a place after having been confined by that place. Yeah. So like it feels very weird to me. And that's part of why this is what I study again is because I just don't understand it. Like the first time I went into prison, I left prison and I was like, I can leave prison. And it was the weirdest thing to me that I woke up in my bed and I drove three hours and I went into prison uh, and I talked to all of these people in prison yeah. and we had a great time and we had a great class. No one tried to shank you. I didn't get shanked. <laughs> like, like all of the things that they tell you, your article of how many pushups do I need to go, yeah. do I need to do before I, yeah. I didn't have to do any pushups, yeah. right? And then I left prison and I did my three hour drive home and I stopped and got a Starbucks because capital, right? right. And then I went and I got back and I took a shower and I went to bed uh-huh. and I laid there and I was like, holy shit, they're still in prison. Yeah. Like that's one of the things that, that I still, it's been, a, it's been a year since I was able to go in for the first time, but that I still really struggle with is this yeah. idea of we built this box and people stay in the box and I go in the box and then I leave the box, but then they're still in the box. Like mm-hmm. that really, that's not like eloquent language. And there's not, I don't no, know. No, it, it hits it's me just... every time I'm, the class is over and my brain starts to switch gears and say, you not only got to exit the facility and hope yeah. they don't keep you because I don't really dress up. So I look at <laughs> they still are like, don't I recognize you? I, is that I've, green? Got, I've got some weird looks, but I also like go into this mindset of like, oh, you got a three hour drive because you know, by the time you get to Colorado Springs, these Yahoo's uh, are going to be driving 20 miles. I once stopped oh. in a parking lot to take a nap <laughs> so long. <laughs> or to have a beer. Yeah, Shout whatever. Same thing. Hey, we both know. <laughs> Hope you didn't run over my beer can. Yeah. Um, but, my, but my mind on the way out as I'm on that last gate always goes to like, I look over, I'm, they can't see us because we're talking, but I look right. over my shoulder in a metaphoric way and I'm always like, God damn, it's not that the bar is low so much as when you get there, you know that everybody, including you, is eager. And when you're in yeah. a normal class nowadays, especially after COVID, especially with where we've gone in the last, you know, 20 years yeah. of like more and more college being catered towards certain richer groups of people that can pay their way in. You're with a group of people that expect a certain amount and are entitled to a certain amount. And by the way, they don't even want to fucking be there. Yeah. And like, you got to excite them. Yeah. And they're we're competing with the goddamn internet. Like, we're yeah. competing with I'm not TikTok. better than TikTok, man. <laughs> TikTok is pretty fucking addictive. And TikTok, uh, well, that's for another episode too. But TikTok <laughs> can effectively know you better than you know yourself if you just use it for 80 minutes. I'd rather Because it's not. a purely algorithmic, how long do you stay on each video? It makes my brain What hurt. tags have that video? And yeah. But that tells us about why we we live in a simulation and how easy it would be. You know. Respect, respect. Again, we'll come back to this in our one of our episodes. Uh, Megan and I have been talking for a year about putting together a separate podcast from this uh, that's more directed towards what we're doing. And as y'all can probably hear, like, oh yeah, it'd be a good podcast. So we're doing it. I've mentioned this before. Stay tuned for that. There'll be a some sort of announcement coming when we figure Woo! out what the fuck we're talking about and exactly what it would look like and who we'd pay and where the money would come from and. 
Anyway, Accepting shout out to donations. the yeah, shout out to the billi- <laughs> shout out to the billionaire who's about to send us a million bucks and say, "See what you can do with it. Let's reduce recidivism." We and, can do lots. Yeah, yep, it'll be awesome. It might not be as good as your hustle, but it'll be close. All right, shout out to your hustle. <laughs> Great podcast. <laughs> We've termed this thing that may end up being the the title of an article that we eventually write. <laughs> yes. This is how academia works. You're like, I don't know. We, we got a few notes on it, and I think, but. This uh, I ain't shit syndrome. Yeah. And this thing that shows up is, I guess you could call it a defense mechanism, not just in prison, but yeah. Michelle Alexander called it the new Jim Crow. It's all the things that show up. Prison sucks and it's awful and that's punishment. And I never detract from how tra- traumatizing it is. But once you get out, that ain't the fucking end. For the right. rest of your fucking life, you better be ready to fall on a knee and kiss the ring and explain what you did on the worst fucking day of your life. Yeah. Because... People around you, you owe that to them. And you better get it through your mind real quick because if you don't, we live in an internet world and they're going to know anyway. And yeah. you just come across to some, what was it, the first cra- the first category of people, or the second category that are just like, I didn't do it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know what, I did do it and fuck you. And you're yeah. not going to last very long in our culture if you can't play nice with the people that are in positions of power. Mm-hmm. And that I ain't shitism has different levels and everybody can probably imagine how different crimes get treated differently in prison, right? right. Contrary to what the movies show, that's not the right hierarchy <laughs> uh, with Teabag being the guy that gets all the clout because he like murdered 20 kids or some weird thing, right? Seems bad. But there is like a hierarchy of right. if you're there for dealing billions of dollars worth of drugs. If El Chapo was in a normal prison, he'd be the fucking man because that's... I mean, he's kind of the, the fucking man outside of exactly, prison. Exactly. <laughs> except he's in the Supermax in Florence right, right now. Which, which is we do sad. drive past and yeah, is also equally as... I think about him every well, time and I'm same. like, all he did was sell me what I wanted. I would have got it from <laughs> someone else. And I know he did terrible things, but you could have made it impossible for him to sell the shit by just putting it the fucking right aid. And I, I promise... I would have gone to Rite Aid yeah. to make sure El Chapo didn't kill I would have paid my taxes yeah, on it. Exactly. Double the taxes if you got to. I want my <laughs> cocaine. I wouldn't have gone to prison if I could get it there. But again, <laughs> we are diverting into the the new podcast that'll or our next episode or both. We've both dealt with this and we have certain students who I see myself in a lot of them and you do too, but clearly mine might mean a little bit more. Yeah personal and neither of us are proponents of this free will notion so we can both we both tend to start from a position of whatever awful horrific confusing thing you see somebody do Mm -hmm. if you switch spots with them cell for cell atom for atom brain cell for brain cell breakfast for breakfast human past for human past in that second you would have made the same decision there is no extra part of you that would have made you be like no i would have if there is you got to locate it there's no way to say oh it would be the part that didn't switch. It's Wait, it'd be the extra capacity. part I brought. Yes, right. Yeah. No, you just switched spots for this hunk of flesh that just turned on this person mm-hmm. and ruined their fucking life by getting them to do some terrible thing. Right. Some of our guys have had a much easier time, and gals, because we've had women in our classes too, in men's prison, which is a- another episode we'll do someday, because that, that would be a really good episode. But for now, <laughs> t- I agree. tangent after tangent. Taking <laughs> notes. Stay on track. You're on 76, <laughs> going to Sterling. You got two hours. Keep the foot on the gas um <laughs> drive as fast as you want to keep us on track some of us some of these students have had a much harder time right i don't even know how to finish the sentence because it's not that they don't come out of their shells when we get them in the right medium mm-hmm. a good paper they write right. uh, a personal conversation but a lot of them just wear this this shame this stigma yeah. of like i've got to get that through my head now because it's not like it's going away if i ever get out of here yeah. so 
there's no question there. What say you? Yeah. Well, it's like the, it's like that idea of internalized oppression, right? Like you are told all of these things and then you believe those things. One of the things that I think a lot about, words are hard. One of the things that I think about a lot regarding this is the language that we use to refer to people. Like when we have these con- the conversations about like the, this, the DOC shift to using the term resident yeah. or it, whether it should be offender or convict or inmate or prisoner or like when I'm writing about this, I use the term incarcerated persons or incarcerated people. And I'm always worried about like what that's going to mean. I think yeah. about my cousin who got a tattoo on her neck for everyone to see that says addict. Right. So like, it's this, I gotta meet her. If she's, I mean, I love her a lot. She's great. Um, she did. So she just got out of jail. Actually. I think it was rehab actually. But so, yeah, again, it's that part of prison that I don't understand where we say, I feel like the reason they have this, I ain't shit is because we tell them they ain't shit. Right. Yeah. We, we tell you, you go to prison, you don't mean anything. It's that thing that I talked to you about that I'm still fleshing out and another paper that I want you to write with me. If this idea of like a moral or social death, that when you get sent in, you're you're branded with this label and it's a brand on your forehead that you rear for the rest of your life. Yeah. You can't get jobs places. Some pla- some places you still can't vote, right? That's still Yeah, yeah. Colorado yeah. you can, but only once you're off parole. A couple of places have made it now, I think maybe one state, so you can vote when you're still on parole. But most like, a should, lot of places if you got a felony. I'll die know. on this hill. You should be able to vote in prison. The legislation that's being passed affects you, right? Ooh, we like, just arrived at the other two the other thing we were in, <laughs> which was like how the rest of the world sees people in prison. Right. And to some to some degree, this is where I I said also that I take a certain position in these talks that will strike listeners as like, what the fuck is he doing? Why is he saying this? <laughs> but I tend to say, I'm the convicted person and I am the person people have been scared of. I'm the person right. who victims have written letters to the judge that I had to stand in a courtroom and listen to be read and be like Oh, fuck. I scared that. And right. I was just, again, no free will. I was pure luck that it wasn't violence. It was always stealing. And I knew some of the people. So in their minds, this is how humans work. They assumed that I wasn't just dope sick and driving around and drove by their house. And it was random. I didn't right. realize it was their car. I just stole the shit and then stole their identity. They thought I had, in their minds, it planted the seed of doubt in humanity right. and a lot of them i'm sure more than just the one that read the letter that stuck with me 20 years later so thanks person who wouldn't listen to this podcast anyway <laughs> would hate if i was doing it but nonetheless like that struck home because i remember being so mad and being like how the fuck do you think i was stalking you and tr- and followed you just to steal your fucking person lied about our relationship yeah that's how humans are that shit is, is deep and when we think about people in prison there's people you and i could both steal man what we're talking about and say, okay, so yes, I was convicted of theft and and drug related charges Mm -hmm. and a pistol at some point. Why should that be used against me nowadays to get a job teaching, giving all of my credentials? But there's people we could, that's the the easy out to be like, no, maybe he should be allowed to get a job. But there's people that have committed crimes that like, if you just committed sex crimes against Mm -hmm. children three years ago and you got early parole and you go to apply for a daycare no, of course not. Because if they're going to run the, they're, nobody in the United States is going to be like, oh, we ran his name and realized, or her name and realized they have sex crimes against kids. Let's hire him anyway and then see if people keep paying to have their kids sent right. here to be daycare. The system's sort of built to weed all this out along right. the way. Right. The, the programs we're in where we both seem to be able to see people in a light that's like, well, I could just as easily have been that person. And there's as much potential there as anybody else. Yeah. What we run into the most is that the world doesn't see them that way. No. So how do you deal with it? I mean, it's got to come from even 
family members and friends, even if they sort of soft speak it. Yeah. And especially the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of things that you had mentioned before, but like when you get that assignment from a student that like hasn't said something in class, but then you read what they wrote and it's just brilliant. Yeah. And you're like, why are you not screaming this? Yeah. Like it just, I feel like there's this conception that like you're in prison, you don't have anything to contribute and it's not right. true. <laughs> I think about the cere- the graduation ceremony that you and I were just at and yeah. one of our students got their um, certificate in strategic communication and just bald. I mean, not verbally, but like just tears running down his face. And it shattered me because afterwards I went up and I was like, you earned that. You deserve that. Like you were the one that put in that work. And he just like told me that he, this is not a thing he ever thought he could be. Nobody ever told him he could go to school. Like he, when he got convicted, he was like, this is the end for me. I don't have anywhere to go from here. And like, now I have this and it shows that I did something different for me. So we snuck up on identity, which is what we really, what I'd said, like, there's this big capital ending (laughs) that we're going to talk about is identity. And that's where we should make sure we wrap this whole conversation around because that's what we're both doing. Mm -hmm. And that's not us, this program. And even beyond this program, this way of thinking where you say, what would you want? to have happened to people who are being housed in expensive prisons? Would you like right. them to be able to get out and not be a threat to the community and help you pay for those fucking prisons? Cause they're expensive. Yeah. Let's get them out and get them back paying. That requires the sorts of things that us and lots of other people are involved in. But that identity is being built in the middle of a donut that is much bigger than the donut hole, which is like, I can get college certificates and eventually a degree because the same students for those listening are also now still working on their larger bachelor's degree. And if they want master's degrees, we'll see how that turns out. They're still in this big donut hole of like, now they're supposed to get out of prison with one of the, whatever their particular crime is, Mm -hmm. whether it's like mine and they're just lucky as fuck that they never wanted to hurt a kid or when they were really desperate, they didn't see an old lady who they could snatch their purse instead of a car they could break the window. Right. One of these crimes is much more severe and you wouldn't think it if you were just in the moment of desperation. Luck, luck, luck all the way down yeah. the line. There's still that when they get out. Yeah. So now they can go and, and remember this beautiful moment they had with us where they, they their identity was updated and it was a stamp of approval on the long process of education and they go apply for the job and they get in the interview room and the dude looks down and is like, Oh yeah. And they say, but I got this certificate or this bachelor's degree and they've now walked themselves to, this is what that syndrome is. It's a defensive mechanism because at any fucking moment you will be brought down to fucking size and it's the size of whoever's in the room. And that's where I'm like, so what's the answer? Will we get to it by the end of our podcast? We do. (laughs) I hope so. I feel like (laughs) if we did, we've done a lot, but like, Yes. And because that's the thing is like, I I have these conversations with you and I just like you mentioned it the other day, like just I just feel so rejuvenated and excited and like this is work that needs to be done. Right. And I will I will be a part of it in any way, shape or form that I can be. And then you look at these like larger scale systems where it's how do we make it so that if you go into an interview and you can show, look, I was incarcerated, but look at the things that I did to change that part of me or to grow or to whatever. I don't know if I like the term change that part of me, but like, how do we change that? How do we make it so that it's like when that student who was so emotional and earned that certificate, I mean, we didn't mention that necessarily, but like prison learning has been so much more challenging than, than just traditional on-campus stuff, just in terms of like all of the organization. 
I would that, like to be very clear. That's worth maybe timing out and talking about. What do you mean? Well, challenging. I would like to be very clear and say that everything, like, we are making everything work. I am not bashing anything. Like, I want to be very clear. Oh, no, clear. I mean, yeah, to give credit to the students. Yeah, that, like... And to some of the on-site people, because yeah. we've had some help on, on site for sure, the yeah. people that were in the prison. But. Like, there are so many people that have had to work together to make this whole program work, and I'm not saying that that's not how it is in but traditional universities. It isn't how it is in traditional universities. It's not? I'm a, that's why I'm asking you. What's the difference? So I if mean, you're so... at home on Zoom and your teacher <laughs> and your teacher says, well, you know, Einstein in 1956 oh, okay. said that's blah, blah, blah. What do about. you do? Well, okay. you should be a good student and double check and Google it. Right. But what, yeah, what other challenges? Right. Just so, to... I mean, as instructors, you and I, like when we're putting this stuff together, our students don't have access to the internet. Yeah. Anyone listening, when was the last time you wrote a paper <laughs> without the internet? Yeah. Right? So when was the last time you did anything without the mm-hmm. internet? And that's, that's another one of the things is like, we're coming into these classrooms where generally I'm all in a, again, I'll speak on a generalization. If I'm in a traditional college classroom on a campus in a university, all of those people have a high school diploma, have a GED. If it's a freshman class, they probably don't have stuff, but usually most classes are mixed. There's, they have experience with the internet. Like they have some idea of what's going on with college. Mm-hmm. We went into the classrooms where there were people that told me that they dropped out of school in eighth grade, mm-hmm. Right. There are people from all over the country, different socioeconomic backgrounds, yeah. different racial backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, different sexual orientations, different genders, yeah. all of this in this one room, which is just like every other place. But then you're in prison, so that heightens everything, and yeah. it's during COVID, and yeah. there's staffing shortages, and there's, if we're talking about one of our facilities, like there's different security levels for those students. Yeah. So half of their classmates are on another side of the facility, so they can't even talk to each other about what they're doing. Yeah. You can't email your someone to get notes from the class that you missed. Yeah. You can't Google what's going on. If there's a word in one of your papers that you don't know what it is, you don't just get to Google it. I had a student at Territorial that I assigned them something and then the next class he was like, yeah, I had to call my girlfriend because I needed to understand what that word meant and this is what she told me the definition was. Is that what it means? And I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for trying. I'm sorry that word was there. It's like teaching in 2005. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. I and, and I think we lose track in culture of how fast things have advanced because mm-hmm. a lot of what you're saying, you're like, yeah, it sounds like exactly what it was like 20, 15, 10 years ago for some people anyway. Absolutely. And we're like, yeah, but... But they had re- libraries you could go to. And, well, the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when some of them, that, like on the flip side of that, some of them were saying, it's not that I'm a dipshit or that I'm so poor I couldn't get a cell phone, but it's that I've been in prison for 12 yeah. years and now I'm trying to prep to get out and you're telling me, well, you better be, you better know how to use the internet. At least know how to use a computer. There yeah. might be some security concerns with the internet in prison. Try this computer, and right. so far they've they've been unable to figure out how to incorporate that stuff in too, because the system is just built in a way that says any. We talked about this before we started recording, or before as we were recording the B roll that will never <laughs> see the light of day. The system's built so that any wink link will basically fl- break open, and right. so administrators have learned well that the way the system currently is. Anything that comes in has to be incorporated in the old system, and you have to make sure that new volunteers are safe. And you even talked about some tech they have. They can send you out to walk from point A to point B as long as you have something on you that they can monitor, and there's cameras, and there's guards in the guard towers, because the last thing we want is for you to just disappear into the throng of incarcerated people. Don't lose your badge, because then you can't leave. Right, exactly, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, there's a story there we can talk about, too. Congratulations. <laughs> I almost got kept at Territorial because I didn't sign in. I didn't give them my ID, and I didn't. I almost didn't turn in my keys. And How did you out. get in? I 
just walked. The gate was open and it was like the busy time and I guess no one noticed. It was easy to get into prison. He, it was the funny, <laughs> I, I had the first almost panic attack. I was walking past him. He's like, hey, I gotta give you your ID. And I was like, I didn't give you my ID. And he said, what, did you sign out? And oh, I was like, no. I didn't, I, no. And he was like, hold on. Oh, <laughs> I was like, no. No, my weed's in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> This is the last time of the semester. Let me go. <laughs> right, right. I got a month off before I got to make this drive. <laughs> yeah. Normalization seems to be kind of what we're headed towards as we yeah. try to find some kind of cap on this. How do you understand it? We we actually watched a video before we mm. came in that was meant to inflame you. So that's what we're talking about. I mean, it definitely right? inflamed me. Built to hold nearly 2,500, Sterling Correctional Facility is not traditionally known to be a fun place to spend a day. But one weekend in September... The event was a fundraiser for the Correctional Peace Officers Foundation. Warden Jeff Long's prison hosted an event with cheesecake, kettle corn, cotton candy, snow cones, and... Chess, basketball flag football, slip and slide. It sounds like a carnival. Some inmates agreed to pitch in even more if certain female staff members agreed to go in a dunk tank. Put our feet in there. Yes. A dunk tank. I think they had a lapse in judgment. Yet what he calls a lapse in judgment, a DOC employee called dangerous. In this email obtained by Nine Wants to Know, a DOC case manager said, in my opinion, it sends the message to the offenders that they can touch female staff without any consequences. If you didn't know ahead of time what the video was going to show, you would assume it was a prison riot. I'm peeved. <laughs> what is normalization as you understand it? I feel weird about normal uh, as I understand it. Normalization as I understand it is something that's being implemented in uh, CDOC facilities to normalize quotation marks uh, incarceration and like make it remove the kind of barriers, I guess, that like make prison prison. I don't know. The video that we watched, there was an event at one of the facilities at Sterling Correctional Facility where they were like raising money for a fundraiser. Is that what yeah. it was? Right? Yeah, apparently they, they raised 10 grand for some sort of fundraiser. And there were like slip insides and there were consenting staff members that participated in, in dunk tanks. And like some footage was released where everyone looked like they were having a great time. Like everyone should be if they're participating in like a fun little barbecue and people were outraged by it. Yeah. And I then became outraged by their outrage because I don't, normalization is a thing that I don't understand because words have power, right? Language mm -hmm. is power. So when right. we're talking about normalization, I feel like I don't like the word normal because I think that it's a lie in the first place, but I don't know that there's another way to describe mm -hmm. what they want done with the prisons. But I think that if we're talking about huh. normalization and here's, here's something I'd really like to get into with you is this idea of if we're talking about normalizing incarceration is the thing that's normalizing a slip and slide or would it be giving them the opportunity to cook their own meals instead of having to just go to the chow hall at three specific times of day or to earn more than a penny a day? It's or... all of it, but we're running right back into the system. So imagine if just to take one example, uh, let's just let them buy and cook their own meals. Infrastructure and infrastructure on two levels. Number one, how do you get all these people that have, okay, three levels the money to buy all the food that they would want to buy. So that's why the child exists. But some of them would want to do it anyway. We need refrigerators. We need meat vendors. We need, and, and now we're going to have to build a larger prison because we can't have. Do we need a bigger prison? 
Well, I'm, what I'm saying some is of those bigger prisons. rooms, bigger rooms, okay, because, right, in, in ventilation, right. and okay. uh, so, because we can't really well have have Jerry frying up like Indian food five times a fucking week next to Bill, who has a dietary restriction. Why can't Bill just switch rooms? Well, no, what I guess what I'm getting at is no matter <laughs> what the problem would be, it would be stuck in the current system I mean, where we're yes. like, if we're going to go that big, you kind of just hit it. Why don't we also we just let them switch rooms whenever they want? In fact. Why don't we just like build? In but the, that's normalizing, United, right? That would be what normalizing is. Yeah. So the answer is yes and no. Like slip and slides and dunk tanks, and they were they were sad. They weren't dunk tanks. They were no. Like, they just threw them in they, a pool. They were. Yeah, I think they were cow troughs that they yeah. must. Have. It's Sterling. It's a farming area. So yeah. they probably now that's awesome compared to what the they get they get normally. That I when I was in Absolutely. prison, if they would have done some shit like that, I would have been on the fucking yard. They uh for July Fourth one year in prison, they came around and gave everybody a tub of ice cream. Vanilla. It didn't fucking matter. It was the cool... I How the fuck are you going to get ice cream in prison, right? Hell yeah. And it, I'm sure it cost them 50 cents of an incarcerated person, and it could have made the fucking news, but it kept everybody behaving. Yeah. It gave us an incentive to feel like, hey, somebody here at least gives a shit. They do the same thing on Christmas. So I see shit like that, and I'm like, is it enough? No. But is it normal? Their issue is the dunking in teaching male prisoners that they can touch female... Uh, staff and, whole... and right a whole thing unpacked oh, not God. that male pri- and not that anybody should be able to touch anybody right. but if you're talking about normalization if you put together an event ahead of time that's supposed to be special privileges and you're having staff that actually gives a flying fuck about yes, the people there if you have consenting adults right but the relationship like the, the consent part only can really come if you really had a sort of staff that was not the sort of staff that often is works very well in our system for another reason we should try to talk about too training <laughs> you would have to have staff that shows up and is here to be like, who are these pe- these people? Yeah. What what specific needs do they all have? How can I uh, help them be successful? Yeah. And then if one of them was like, well, we're going to do this thing. Do you mind if the three of us pick you up and throw you in a dunk tank? It would be a very different question than if three strangers who have been ogling you on the yard yes. when you walk by were like, hey, can we pick you up and throw you in the dunk tank? No, absolutely. But like, that, we were told on the news it was clearly these dudes are going to be, you know, reaching for some butt or something. Yeah. Like, the way that that went, like, the the portrayal of it when they were showing the footage, they created a narrative for the footage that I don't think aligned with what happened. And, like, in talking about this normalization from the conversations that we've had with different people, like, it's something that's impacting staff as well, right? Because it, it... it's a larger system thing and it's changing the relationships that they can have with them. And I think that that's one of the things that from my understanding, a lot of people are having difficulty with because there's this super ingrained notion of you are prisoner. I am officer. Yeah. That power dynamic. It all the comes I ain't back shitism. to it. That's, yeah. the, that's the proof is how you do, how do you address the people around you? If they're another prisoner, first or last name is fine. If they are somebody that works there or is any sort of, volunteer yeah it's miss or mrs or doctor which and, makes me very uncomfortable but there's Please just call me Megan. Be. but when you do that you're asking them to to make an exception in a system that isn't like well at work if you got a but cool is that boss you can get, it would be but the and this is where the answer would, <laughs> would shift a little bit to like i'll have to go a little farther to the this isn't enough category this is the window dressing that you would want to start with if you really thought you might get some momentum and I'm concerned that like we're at that point in history where after a big swing towards what you might just call like liberal philosophies of trying mm-hmm. something new with where 80 fucking percent of people that get out of prison have been going back forever. Yeah. That's fucked up. I'm tired of paying for that as a taxpayer. What can we do even if we pay a smidge more now to get these fuckers back on the street paying their fair share and incorporating themselves in the fabric of society? Yeah. How do we got to build society in painting the cells and 
putting fish tanks in the units and having playstations that's part of it for sure but it, yeah. it was we actually were talking before the interview also about buprenorphine and how suboxone mm-hmm. and buprenorphine yeah. and i think maybe even methadone although that one seems to be a little more stigmatized nowadays have now been allowed to come back into some Colorado prisons as treatment for addicted people in those prisons. And sometimes they get abused. And the big reason for that is that if you just say, oh, there's people in here that are addicted to heroin, we'll give them the pill. And you leave out the most important part of treatment, which is support networks, therapy, counseling, understanding what the fuck is going on in your brain because you can't figure it out and you want heroin, then you'll make people become addicted that wouldn't have been otherwise. And we don't have the money or the wherewithal in our system to say, we could hire one nurse to give everybody one pill each, or we could hire 50 therapists that are more expensive than the nurses. No, we're going to hire one nurse to give everybody a pill. How are we going to start talking taxpayers into, we've got to start therapizing prisoners but that's what our big podcast will be about <laughs> i mean yeah because it's here's the thing you're paying for it either way right like, you, yeah. like you're either paying for someone to get quote-unquote rehabilitated yeah or you're paying for them to continue to be incarcerated yeah. so in one situation hopefully someone is able to then you know i don't like the be a contributing member of society because that's whatever i do but, i just think it means society will have to change like there's and this is where we've been talking with identity is we've got students now that are getting out and they've got lots of layers of identity, but a lot of those layers have talent and promise or potential. Yeah. And some of them are like a little potential, but you know, you're good at flipping burgers, but maybe you'll want to do something else or maybe you'll love it and you'll become the best burger, burger flipper ever. But that hustling, I was a really good hustler. I was a really good <laughs> drug dealer, which is just hustling. It's finding a product that you can make a profit margin right. and figuring out how to package it I'm or make it look better than it. <laughs> right. Other people aren't. Some of them are, are artists that are making mm-hmm. visual art or verbal art. Uh, we got a, a couple of mixers, producers, and rappers that have been in the program. Yeah. And they're now getting out and they have the same issue. They're like, okay, what part of the world is open to a, re- a recent released prisoner yeah. if you're making rap? Yeah. Well, let's see. Let me just knock on some church doors and see how that goes and how much money they're going to start coughing up. Mm-hmm. Let me go knock on a few club doors. Let me knock on Suge Knight's door. And Suge Knight's like... Come on. Right? Like, <laughs> like that's where you would go because that's the one spot it's open. We've got a system that we would have to yeah. figure out and we're back to our podcast because it'd be nice for us to be able to hire some of those people to mix audio for yes. us and to record their stories and maybe give them a boost as they get out of prison. But again, stay tuned for that. Contact the billionaires. <laughs> Find some funding. Have, yeah, send us some money. I mean, that's one of the things, too, is thinking about, like, what opportunities are available. Even thinking about computer literacy, right? Like, yeah. how many jobs do you see that you don't have to know how to send an email? Because oh, I have not seen any. This is on my list that I added last night because we both got it. You got the email, too, right? What email? DOC. The uh, Department of Corrections. The one about the draft? Alert. Your okay. annual training is now available. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah, I think they make me do it more than everybody else. <laughs> My annual... Well, when did so, you... What do you... What's the training like to get approved <laughs> to go into a prison? And, and did it change your mind at all about what to expect? My favorite thing in the training, my genuine favorite thing is the communicable diseases one where it says if it's wet and not yours don't touch it because I think that's an excellent piece of advice for all of life. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I get to that one I'm just like yes. I got one right. Okay. Yeah that's fine. um, I mean it's very interesting like I, I I'm with you I completely understand the reason behind it like I think that that's part of the normalization thing that they should look Mm. in like look into as well right like what is it 
I think that kind of goes into some of the work that you've looked at into what are the narratives that are being constructed that teach us about prison. So if you are someone who's choosing to be a volunteer in a prison and that's the training that you have to do, what are you learning from that? Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully you're learning that if it's wet and not yours, don't touch it. Um, But like what other messages are being conveyed there? Yeah, I was, I was more caught on the majority of it is gamesmanship and I didn't know watch if that's what we were for, going into. No, that's, that's more what I was getting at is that anybody that, that has what you might think of as a good heart in our culture, like, why would you go into prison to teach? Well, I thought it was the right thing to do. So you finally made that decision. You right. got your syllabus ready. Right. You just got to spend 16 hours online watching short clips of videos. It really you, is if, 16 yeah, hours. And if you walk away from them, you have to come back and click the the next at random times. To yeah. Keep they, they're <laughs> watching you. And if you open another window, they <laughs> shut down. It's so fucked up. <laughs> You made this decision to go in and then you have to take the training that's really that long and you have to pay attention the whole time. And half, I would guess, if not more of the modules are about what to expect by way of game being gamed. Everybody yeah. in there, lots of people in there, expect to encounter somebody who's going to ask you to sneak in drugs, is going to tell you a lie about being falsely convicted and you're the only one that can give them money and all. I mean, it was so much. It was unbelievable yeah. or hostage situations that like. When you're in here, because you probably will be, and you walk out of it feeling like, what the fuck? Yeah, have you go I to prison and you're like, oh my god, into? is there going to be a hostage situation? Yes. If there is a hostage situation, what do I do? Where I spent, do I go? I spent a year and a half in prison. I know what to do if there is one, and there isn't going to be one. But I still was like, oh fuck, I don't. Do I need a button? <laughs> what do I do? But they they distinct they put this distinction on anybody that's going in between us and them, and that's why, as you'd said, like it's kind of uncomfortable when they call you Miss. Cosgrove or eventually soon Dr. Cosgrove but it would be really hard to break it because even if they flip a switch in that room they have to turn it back off the second they leave the classroom and make sure they don't inadvertently call the commander of the prison Don or something and that's one of the things that like I I think that's another one of the tensions that I do struggle with is like recognizing that they're still in that situation and I don't ever want to put them in a situation where it is potentially harmful for that for them and I also recognize that the reason for that can be like a safety thing for the people that that staff the prison and I would never, ever want to do anything that risked their safety either, right? Because that's another one of the things that we have to think about when we're having these conversations. Yeah. And at the same time, I want it to be a space where students are able to come in and it's... I don't want to say, like, forget you're in prison. Because, like, I don't think you ever forget you're in prison. Uh-huh. Especially with all of the intercom things. For the, for the first six weeks, you get a shorter... There's probably some math somebody should do. For the first six weeks in jail, you get a shorter and shorter every morning snippet of time where you forget. And it's heartbreaking as it gets down to like a second and then less than a second. Where you wake up and you're like, ah. Just the way you said it. My soul. (laughs) It's true though. I just remember going through that. That was a weird experience. And then it goes away. And then if you're out long enough, it's like heroin where like you stop getting really high. But then if you stop doing it for a while... You get high again. If, you, again. if you're only out for like a week or two and you go back, you don't get the, the early morning buzz of, I'm free. Yeah, what? I, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> like, sometimes I wake up and I don't know what room I'm in. I don't know like what state I'm in. Yeah. But so yes, with that, I don't ever want it to be, I don't want to, oh, you're not in prison. But I do want it to be a space where it's, yes, you're in prison, but we're doing something different. Yeah. Which is a good, I mean, a question's worth asking too. 
people often don't know what communication is and we both teach <laughs> communication classes and it's not communications it's, yeah right that's like down the road if you want to reach out to a huge group of people and you don't know how or who you just call the communications department and they're dressed way better than us and they Absolutely. know they know music better and they go to nightclubs and we go to bed at eight o'clock and <laughs> write boring stuff right? <laughs> and call it mediocre and self-deprecate that means we, we basically teach how the world works yeah. as weird as that seems to like really sum it up how do people come to move well, that power joke or that power comment metaphor i was using yeah. of like that is really what politics is, is getting people to move to the voting booth, to move their neurons, to say, this is my guy. I really like him, even if he's disgusting, because yeah. it seems like all politicians are. The topics we cover are like what makes people move in the United States. That means all the stuff we've talked about. How right. have the conversations gone, I guess, compared to what you expected on things like sexism and yeah. Christian privilege and patriarchy and racism and white supremacy are those things that we have to avoid in the prison context? Well, first of all, I think that we should make sure to give you the credit that you deserve there because when we started, you were the one that had the class that was very much focused on those kinds of existential oh, yeah. things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was teaching like, how do you talk to your boss? Right? So, uh, like, so you got complained to about me. No, I didn't get complained <laughs> to. I just, I think that by the time that that the class that I was teaching had to do with that kind of mm. subject matter. They had already had the opportunity to kind of work through some of those kids yeah. with you, which I think was in their best interest because I, you talked when in the class that I was in with you, you talked through those kinks in a way that makes a lot of sense and you do mm. it in a way that creates the space for people to question it and then talk through it themselves. Like yeah. I think that you're very good yeah. at saying, here's this idea and someone saying, I don't think so. And you saying, well, let's find out yeah, why. I like that. And so by the time that I got to a class where we were having conversations about that, I think that I had the privilege of, of having kind of piggybacking off of your oh, success already. I appreciate um, that. But that's not to say... Some that, of it sunk in. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. Them, yeah. Absolutely. But I think that there was still a lot there. Like, so in talking about privilege, the course that I was teaching was communication and diversity, yeah. which on campus is kind of a charged class and then is again mm -hmm. heightened by the fact that you are in prison yeah and so when we were talking about privilege i i recall asking them like what privileges do you think that you've experienced and that's a hard question mm -hmm. for people outside of prison right because yeah. nobody wants to acknowledge their privilege like yeah. nobody wants to say like i don't have student loans because my parents paid for school right, right. like nobody wants to say that yeah. i worked hard right who was talking about that right <laughs> Nobody's Wrong saying question. you didn't have a job, right? Wrong question. So, or just, that's like the, oh, I had to pay for my loan, so you have to pay for your, right? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. But I feel like it's an important conversation to have because regardless of the fact that they are incarcerated, at some point in time, yeah. there's something, right? Yeah. And so one of the students said, I'm in prison. I, like, I don't have any privilege. Like, no. Yeah. And then another student asked to skip. And I was like, okay. And then he came back and he was like, I want to directly challenge what, the person said that they said they didn't have any privilege. And he was like, the fact that I am in this classroom in prison Ooh. is a privilege. Huh. And I was like, oh, yeah, bud. Yeah, I should have thought of that. I'm <laughs> yeah. the teacher. Yeah. Like, that's what I was hoping you <laughs> yeah. would say, right? But so, so, so with that, like having them challenge one another in saying, you're saying this isn't a privilege and I'm telling you it is a privilege. Yeah. Um, the race ones have been very difficult for me in the sense that like, I will admittedly tell you that I am a white woman who grew up in what is genuinely referred to as Vanilla Valley. Like, I moved to Orlando and I didn't know that there were places outside of Mexico that, like, 
Yeah. Right? Like, I that was talking sense, to someone from Puerto Rico, and I was like, do you like tacos? And they were like, what do you... I'm not from Mexico. And it, like, 19-year-old Well, don't you me, have them there? Apparently. I just, I just really I, love tacos. I, I do just, love tacos. Just asking. Jesus. I do. Now I love tostones, but it's a different story. Right? But so, like, so, like, the growth that's required, the self-reflexivity of that, yeah. everybody's always learning. Yeah. Right? And so... Yeah. I think that that's one of the things is, is those conversations. I don't know that we necessarily got into a lot of the religious conversations because I will admittedly say that I try very hard I bet. to steer away from them. I don't know why I just drive into the sun. <laughs> you really do. Like all gas, no break. You're like, tell me why you believe what you believe. Cause you don't. And I'm like, I mean, I don't like, I'm, you just ah! don't care. You weren't traumatized it's by it. Cor- yeah. I've had a lot of conversations with people about religious trauma, and it's something I didn't know I needed yeah. to take my yeah. thank my parents for. You're privileged. Hey, that's a privilege. It's easy to spot if you look. Absolutely. And who fucking cares? It doesn't mean you didn't struggle. At, like through this interview, as I'm asking you terrible things, questions. Right? They're not terrible <laughs> questions. But like the, um, I think the one that had the most, there were two that that I really struggled with. There was a conversation about abortion because Roe v. Wade had just been mm-hmm. overturned, yeah. and they had seen stuff about it on the news, and it happened to line up with when we were talking about. Mm. Um, like gender roles and sexuality. And so that was, that's a hard one. uh, And that was a hard one for me because I try very hard as an instructor to kind of like outside of pushing people to take a neutral position in like how I feel about things. (laughs) But I have very strong feelings about that specific. Megan's a woman. If you you hadn't caught it. And so like trying to navigate that conversation And because at the end of the day, I truly and honestly do respect everybody's positions because I no, think... No, no. But I you do. Don't. No. But this it comes back to the free will thing. Watch this. I My position is that women should be barefoot in the kitchen making food and they should shut the fuck up. Okay, but if that's do your... Do you respect that position? Here, here's fuck the Fuck no. no. But here's... <laughs> yes, well, yes, because it comes down to the Sam Harris thing, right? It comes down to the free will. Is because if, every, if I had to switch I myself atom for atom... Everything. Yes, right. How can I disrespect someone who's doing what they believe to be truly and morally right or correct? It's the word respect. I think we're getting yeah semantics. I guess because I mean, respect to me is like it takes a lot for somebody to have that word. I, mean, I would that's say a valid... I accept it though. I mean, like it, okay, it's, it's the difference between judging somebody as being evil. Okay, and that's that's what actually yeah, what we've been I'll talking about all day. We are not teaching classes for those who would think like they're just teaching the the guy that got caught with a joint and he already had a college degree. <laughs> These are fucking murderers and rapists and, and all the people in your nightmares. Who the fuck cares? The whole point of framing our conversation this way is that we both have realized somewhere along the way through, again, no fault of our own because we free will is not real. I hate the term, but, but for the grace of God, there go I. Like there's another universe where if things could have gone different i'm doing the same thing and the things that i didn't struggle with because anybody right now that is is pushing back like no and not wanting to accept what i'm saying is thinking i never did blank to a kid or i never did such and such to so and so how hard did you struggle against those things right were you like waking up every morning we talked yesterday and i was like you know i've never thought to myself i really want to kill him I really want to. I, you know what? I could even, I want to stab him. And then I just like, through sheer will, yeah. I was like, you know what, Ben? You can't. And I talked myself out of it. But even if I had done that, could I take credit for having the willpower to be like, right. no, Ben, and have this weird conversation with my fucking self? I'm the only one in there. personal communication, <laughs> if you're <laughs> nice. wondering. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, all of it comes down to us sort of framing this like, no, this is the 
the people that if you were ever going to feel like there was a tragic story and instead that's what we see these as yeah. like the people forget about only think of the victim in any story and they're like the other guy just gets thrown in the garbage can you're like yeah. they're still alive well one of the i was listening to uh plugging your last one of your last episodes with sea dreams yeah, yeah. um and one of the things she shout talked out to about, sea dreams shout out sea dreams she'll, she'll be back in a couple weeks one of the things that she talked about was that when she was 19 years old she got charged with a sex crime for pimping out a 17 year old yeah. but that nobody looked at like she herself had been pimped out and a yeah. sex like a victim of of those kinds of things yeah. as well, right? So like, I'm not saying that people didn't commit crimes. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that. I recognize right. that you did commit a crime. That doesn't mean that that's all that you are, right? And that doesn't mean that you yourself weren't a victim of right. things. That was the the thing that we were talking about yesterday as well is like looking at um, ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. Like when you experience these things, how does that change your brain? How does that create behaviors? How does that trauma change the way that you're going to going to act in a specific situation? And if we're not aware of those things and if we're not able to identify them and overcome them, like we're just going to keep doing the same shit. Right. And so if we're not equipping people to be able to, to make different choices, we're not doing anything. Yeah. We've been talking around Sam Harris all day, so we're uh, assigning Sam Harris. <laughs> I am for my night. Well, no, us, because yeah. we're, we're both teaching yeah. it. So Sam Harris is going to make up a big part of this class. But the the goal is to get, I guess, the public thinking as much as the people that we're teaching about the fact that when somebody does something wrong in our country, we think, how the fuck should we punish this motherfucker? Mm-hmm. And that seems like such a waste of time and effort. And I get if you've had somebody close to you that's been victimized or if you've been victimized, you are, you can't help how you feel. Absolutely. And often you want to feel like I'd strangle and we can Absolutely. all think of sit terrible. The worst thing you can think of somebody doing to a kid, you would want to stop them from doing it right now and hurt them yourself, right? right. That is human to do that. But if we're really talking about, okay, but the clock keeps moving forward mm-hmm. and it will be five minutes from now and five days from now, mm-hmm. five years from now, 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. I would love to make sure that they are not going to reoffend, And not only that, yes. that they really feel in their hearts like they want to make what they did to some, you can't make everything right. You can't bring yeah. people back, but that right. whoever the person is wants to restore to their own best of their power, their own spirit and the spirits around them that yes. they've injured. And yeah. that seems to me like if we're going to have a system called corrections, why are we wasting tons of money to recidivate at 80% if we could yeah. at least take a shot at like changing hearts? But yeah. the way you change hearts is through, it's not through, I mean, some people it is through religion, power to them. But it seems to me like it's through tools. It's yeah. through when they reach in that tool bag for whatever's next or for the memory that, that taunts a lot of them of what they've done. They have yeah. different ways to think through it and put it together and make choices for the future. Absolutely. One of the things that our students at, well, one of the students at Territorial has said to me, um, repeatedly when we've kind of had these conversations is, um, incarceration is like, you're taking a person with trauma and you're treating trauma with more trauma. Mm. And he's like, that's, I'm just more fucked up now. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. nothing's better. Yeah. And what so, else can you be? yeah. And so like, I don't, without, with the society stuff, I'm, I would be interested to know from you, um, when you tell people you teach in prison, what is the response that you get? Fake, fake appreciation. Is that what you mean? Oh, so not not always fake. So if C's listening, because now that she knows her name was mentioned, she probably will. Uh, <laughs> no, there's people, I've noticed people in prison are, is, I, they're so sincere. They make, like you said earlier, like that made me want to cry. You can just feel it. And she right. like was really sincere, like what you do. And I had to be like, let me self-deprecate for a minute. I'm not that good, right? Because <laughs> I'm a felon too. I have that I ain't shit syndrome. It yeah. never goes the fuck away. So right. I prefer to knock myself down before somebody else does. But in the world... I I feel like 
I'm Freuding people, which seems to be a habit of mine lately that I'm getting more and more in trouble for. But I feel like I feel like people know they're supposed to say, oh, good job. But they also live in a world where we live in a country of like 80 percent people that would claim they're 69 or something. It's gone down in the last 10 years would claim they're Christians. Right. And one of their major tenets they would claim is like you're supposed to go visit people in prison. And as soon as I say I teach people in prison, somewhere in the back of their unconscious monkey brain mm-hmm. is saying, have I visit? Oh shit! And everything immediately like, zzz, zzz. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rise. And as they're complimenting me, like, oh, that's so cool. I can see in their eyes that they have this sort of short circuit. And if anything, it's you've probably experienced this part. It's the the jokes we make with each other about who do you think is going to have the shank today, right? right? Like that's the stereotype of yeah. What are they really there for? Are they yeah. gaming you? Like, did you take the training? Yeah. <laughs> one of one of my absolute favorite things to do. Is to like if I'm if I'm going whatever I'll be like oh I'm going to prison because people stop dead in the middle of the conversation yeah. and they look at me and they're like why <laughs> are you going to prison <laughs> and like just challenging those assumptions and being like well why would you think that I'm going to prison like why do I have to tell you the reason that I'm going to prison why would it matter that I'm do going you ever to just prison? dead your eyes and say murder <laughs> I haven't but I'm going to now people are always like to visit. Or next time I next time I meet someone and they ask me what I do, yeah, I'm not a good actor. I'm gonna, do it. I'm gonna give it a try. I'll see if it works. Yeah, well, keep you updated. But yeah. yeah, like that's it's it it blows my mind the response that I get because I don't think outside of like the circle of educators that we you know c- collaborate with, yeah, people don't give a shit. No. Like I'll talk to people about it and I'll be like this person like because I'll hide my students work up all day. Yeah. The article that you just got published. Dude, for... our batch, how many bachelor students y'all know that are not even at a bachelor's degree and are publishing articles in popular yeah. press? Fuck off. Our students are better than yours. <laughs> Woo! Or in journals. Uh, one of our other students published. In yeah. And he round didn't, those in. He didn't even words. ask us to edit it. He... But so so I'll hype their stuff up all day left and right. And at the end of the conversation, everyone always says, well, what did they do? I don't know what they did, yeah. and it's none of our business what they did. All I know yeah. is that they are a student in my class, Although and three I will years, support them in that. So many of them have written about it now. This is like a whole another episode we'll do someday, but that it becomes our business because they talk about it, and it's weird. Mm-hmm. This is where both of our positionality, which, again, I don't quite understand yours. Mine's easy to pin because I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a monster. Like, you I, are I'm not. A, I, I've done things in the past that if you looked at them, you'd be like, whoa, don't bet on that guy having morals. So either we don't have free will and I was a a subject of my environment and things have changed, luckily, and I've gone out of my way to work on it and to the best of my ability, or I'm a fucking monster. So I'll I'll take the we don't have free will. Free will doesn't exist. Human beings are not spontaneous events in um, themselves. Some of them talk about stuff that, like, the normal person would be like, oh, my God, aren't you? And it's weird. I haven't yet had the experience where I'm like, oh, oh, I think differently now. I always, always have like this rush of like, oh, fuck, that could have been me. Fuck, that could have been me for all of them. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's just something that's unique to people that go in and start to develop relationships. But I've been waiting for finding out about some of the the charges to change my view of them, and it hasn't. And I haven't haven't experienced that either. Like the, like, oh, no, this changes my view of this person. But I have experienced with because I don't ask them about it like that's that's their story to tell it's none of my business right. and I don't want any part of what I give them to be colored by right. anything external right and so but I have had the experience where we've been in class and we've talked about something and one of them will say something that they've done and I go oh no the training did not prepare me to handle this conversation <laughs> like I've had that I haven't had that oh that could have been me I've had that where do I go from here <laughs> 
And there's where I have the privilege. Where's the pivot? Yeah. I said something the other day to him that was so, it was almost too vague. Because I said, uh, yeah, but I had people like waking up in the morning and all their change has gone out of their car uh, cup holder and there's blood all over the upholstery. And one of our students raised his hand and was like, hold on, wait. Why is there blood all over? I also have questions. Because like, I broke into their car. Like oh. I it used, used to steal stereos. So I'm from the general. These don't exist anymore. Nowadays, stereos are integrated into right. the system. Right, and you right. add the, the, the extra expensive stuff's in the trunk where right. you can't get at it. It's locked up. But when I was a kid, 150 bucks, you could go buy a Pioneer uh, CD player and slide it into your seat. Your, okay. your, dashboard you remember okay. I do. And people like me would come along you'd sometimes get in a friend's car and be like why is there a rectangle hole and that's because those those cd players are a hundred bucks a pop at the second hand store up the road so when worse would come to worst i could get into a car and just but often like it would rip your hands up sometimes and sometimes oh. people would you're in front of a house freaking the fuck out hurrying the fuck up again different experiences yanking right? stuff out sometimes you steal a car I don't know that I could steal a car if I tried. Oh, we're going to get into all this on the new podcast when we do it. I drove a I'm stolen ready. car in a lake one day. In a lake? Into it, Like yeah. crashed into the yeah, lake? Yeah, like stuck a golf club on the gas pedal and what? stepped the fuck I've got questions that. and I would like yeah. answers. We can talk about that after we stop recording. Perfect. Anything, anything we should add before we go away because we went way over. Read Ben's new book. or not? Yeah, read your new book. Oh yeah, there's this new book coming out. If you can't afford it, send me an email. I'll send you one. A uh, spectacle of punishment. It's about prison movies and every prison movie you ever saw probably is in it. And the precursor article that came out today. Oh yeah, Happy Pub Day! Yeah, you can read it for free if you want a teaser. It's called Lessons from Shawshank, so it'll get mm. lots of like hashtag hits. And Genji Cohan's in it. Ear Hustle's in it. The Du Pie Podcast Within is in it. Somebody else famous in it that I'm forgetting offhand who it is. Yeah, but, not famous yeah, enough. Yeah. Anyway, Megan, this is fun. We'll do it again really soon. Thanks, Ben. Yep. I'm sure we'll be hearing from Megan again in the future. Thanks a lot to her for taking the time to come talk about the work we both do and about her vision for prison education. And as always, love yourselves and the addicted people in your life. I'm Ben Boyce.